from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen This that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system This a war zone going down on Wednesday nights This a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite Weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution This is change to what the game is used to doing This is all about that dark and light contrast Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I am your host, Mike De Niro. Before we get into the show, I just want to thank all the subscribers that listen to the podcast on a weekly basis. I want to thank everybody from all over the world that rate, review, subscribe. Everybody that follows on Instagram at Fight for Wednesday Night, on YouTube at Fight for Wednesday Night. This show is not anything without your support, so thank you so much. What a week it's been, what a night it's been. This is week 27 of the Wednesday Night War, and... We had another crowdless but great show on both sides. So I started today with AEW, and that show started hot and heavy. We see Tony Schiavone and Cody Rhodes with Pharaoh this time, and we're not in Daly's place. We're in an undisclosed location. They didn't necessarily say where they were or why they moved, but it's pretty obvious that, you know, in Florida right now, they are becoming more strict with the whole shutdowns and stay at home. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this must have been the Nightmare Factory in Atlanta. So they're basically running it without saying where they are so they could kind of play by their own rules, I guess. Because we instantly see that there's wrestlers back in the crowd, which was nice to see something that we didn't have last week. So it was cool to see that we were already going to have noise on this show during the matches. Before we got into the first match, they announced the other four members that are going to be a part of the TNT uh, title tournament. Now, on AEW Dark on Tuesday, they announced that Cody Rhodes and Sean Spears and Darby Allin and Sammy G are going to be the first two matches for the TNT championship. And they announced tonight that Dustin Rhodes and Kip Sabian and Lance Archer and Cole Cabana are the other four members in this tournament. So I'm a little curious to some of the choices. And at first I was kind of upset. I'm like, where's MJF? 
where's Jungle Boy? Where's Luchasaurus? But I'm guessing it's all due to the restrictions of traveling because I know MJF lives in Long Island. I doubt that there's any way for him to get to wherever this undisclosed location is. So that's why some talents that were probably like slotted for this tournament are not in this tournament. But yeah, definitely. I think that this tournament is going to be very exciting, especially when you got some of the names that are not in the regular main event scene, like a Kip Sabian, like a Colt Cabana, like a uh, Sammy G or Sean Spears. We haven't seen Sean Spears in a while. So I'm really excited. I've been waiting for AEW to bring a mid-card title because there is a whole lot of talent and there's not enough spaces in a main event slot. So I look at this title and I think of like, as soon as I heard that they're having a mid-card tournament, before they even announced the first couple names, I said, this belt is made for someone like Darby. This belt is made for someone who is not at that point to be world champion but proved that he could hang with these guys. Now, Darby Allen, no matter who he's been in there with, he's been the star of the show. So I would love to see Darby win this. I also think that since this is culminating, well, the finals are going to culminate at double or nothing, if it does come down to Cody and Dustin and they have a rematch one year later from their historic classic at last year's double or nothing, the very first AEW show, I think that that would be like a storybook match for the crowning of the first title. I think Cody being in this tournament alone is a way to get a belt on him, being that he can't wrestle for the world championship. So, I don't know. It is going to be interesting. The tournament actually starts their uh, qualifier, well, not qualifier, but their uh, quarterfinal matches next week. So, that's where we'll get more answers of who's actually going to be advancing and what direction they will be going in going forward. But to start this show, AEW had Trent Beretta versus Kenny Omega. Now, I've been saying week in and week out that Kenny Omega has been on a roll. Every week, well, he doesn't wrestle every week, but his last couple matches have been match of the year caliber. And the tag match that he's been in with at Revolution with uh, Hangman Page against the Bucks was the greatest tag match I've ever seen. So right now, Kenny Omega is proving why he's the best in the world. We talk about that all the time. But the one star in this match, I think, was Trent Beretta because Trent, we've seen him in really good tag matches with Chucky e. T. We've seen him in singles matches before, and he always is he's always impressing. Whether it's his match with John Moxley on uh the New Year's Day show, whether it was his match with Pac from the early weeks of AEW on TNT, he's always showing that he can hang in the singles capacity. He was a singles wrestler before he was a tag wrestler. So I don't know, but if I'm watching this match, I'm thinking that Trent is one of these guys who's ready to take it to the next level. But then, like, we already know that Orange Cassidy has a direction and I don't think that there would be much of a strong push for Chucky T, Chuck Taylor, if he's a singles wrestler. So I don't know if that's the only thing holding them back from going full force with a Tramperetta singles run. You don't have to necessarily break up the team, but I don't know. Watching this match, Tramperetta really showed me something. He hung for 19 minutes out of 20 minutes, 
in this match with Kenny Omega. They almost went to a draw. It was literally when Dasha said one minute left in the match when Kenny Omega hit the one-winged angel and got the victory. This match was filled with amazing action and once again, just to start off a great AEW show with a match like this, it's basically what they do. It's their MO. I talked about Trent. I talked about Kenny. Like it, It's hard to like just look past the type of body of work that Kenny Omega has been giving lately. He's just been nonstop on a roll. And there's like no end in sight. I don't know if this is leading to a Kenny Omega title match. But if I'm looking at the rankings... Like, come on, who else really deserves it right now besides Kenny Omega? Because Kenny Omega is putting on the best matches in AEW this year. Without a doubt. There's nobody that is in his realm right now. Every single match he's in, whether it's the Sammy G match, whether it's the Pack match, whether it's the tag match, whether it was the eight-man tag match, like, come on. Kenny Omega deserves that belt. I don't know if he's going to be rekindling his feud with Jon Moxley for double or nothing, it doesn't look like they're going in that direction, and that might feel really rushed if they try to fit a John Moxley Kenny Omega match for the May show. If we get a May show, but we'll see where they go. I do think that it's interesting that he's still the tag team champion, and they're giving him like a real big singles push. But yeah, so great, sh- great match to start off the show. After this, we got a Hikaru Shida package. It really seems like they're going to go forth with her as like their top female who's not a champion at the moment. And that's the right decision because she is having the best matches in the women's division for AEW. I really think that she is probably their best women's wrestler in that division. We have a showcase match here against Anna Jay. We didn't have much information about Anna Jay. Even Cody Rhodes said that she didn't give no information to... Um, Dave, not Alex Marvez before the show. So Alex Marvez couldn't really give Cody any information, including her height, weight, her age. So she was a mystery, but she was pretty good. It was a nice showcase for her Karoshita, but Anna Jay, I would like to see her again. She was decent. After this, we got a John Moxley and Hager package. Now with this, they kind of took like the NXT or the WWE Raw or SmackDown route where it was a prolonged package that really built the story between Moxley, the Inner Circle, and Jake Hager. There was some TV time to kill here, and it's obvious that they don't have the full roster, so why not just kill some time, have this package, really go in-depth in this rivalry, go in-depth in the characters of John Moxley and Jake Hager, and that's what we got here, so... It made me more excited for this feud because I was a little uh to begin with. And now it's like, all right, cool. I'm waiting to see this match because we see how much of a badass Jake Hager is. And we know how much of a badass John Moxley is. So this should be a badass match. <laughs> After this, we got the in-ring debut in AEW for Lance Archer. We didn't know who his opponent was going to be coming into this. But... It ends up being Marco Stunt, which I thought was brilliant because you have the smallest guy on the roster versus arguably the biggest guy on the roster in height, by the way. I don't mean like star power, but yeah, before, well, we had Marco Stunt come out and before Lance Archer came out himself, we got a promo from Jake the Snake, another classic promo. Jake shows week in and week out, like 
Kenny is showing in ring that he's the best. Jake the Snake is showing on the mic that he's the best. Just another classic promo saying Brandy Rhodes wears the pants. You're just prolonging this, Cody. Cody's scared to face Lance Archer, which, I mean, he kind of did seem scared last week when he was like, oh, he could have his match, but just not against me. Just It wouldn't make sense. It's like, come on, why? So he did seem like he was running scared there. But after the Jake the Snake promo, we got the Lance Archer entrance. He's continuing to go with the same theme song that he had in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is pretty cool because it fits him with the Everybody Dies in the theme song. And as soon as he entered the ring, you could just see the massive size difference between him and Marco Stunt, which, like I said before, was brilliant because you really want to make this guy seem like a monster. How do you make him seem like a monster? You put him in there with the smallest guy and you see the real like David versus Goliath situation here. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. This match was probably the best way you could book Marco Stunt because I've been saying it in the past. Whenever I see Marco Stunt, I hate when these bigger guys sell for his moves. Like, it's just not believable for me. Like, I could suspend my disbelief for a lot of things in professional wrestling. Hell, I love the Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy things. But I just don't see, like, bigger guys taking her Karanas from a guy who's, like, five feet. Nothing. So here, where Lance Archer just totally decimates him and he's tossing him around like a rag doll, it made a lot of sense. That was perfect booking in that situation. And yeah, Marco Stunt got his offense in, but it wasn't anything that was unbelievable. And you didn't see Lance Archer going to the ground and taking her Karanas like we've seen in the past with Marco Stunt doing. So it was really cool to see this match. Like I said, again, a great showcase. Really showed what Archer could do. It really shows that Archer is headhunting because... Even after the match, he choke slams Marco Stunt into the crowd of wrestlers. I think it was onto um, Austin Gunn, Billy Gunn, and Orange Cassidy. 
And then, like, he's jawjacking with Colt Cabana, who he's going to face in the TNT Championship Tournament in two weeks. He's just really showing, like, hey, I'm, I don't care who's in front of me. I'm taking the head off. Everybody's going to die. So, really good showcase. After this, we got a Brody Lee vignette where he's having, like, a sit-down with the Dark Order. I fully expected to hear a couple of Vince McMahon references here, but I guess... They were saying, you know what, let's let's not poke Vince every week. But yeah, so he's having like a sit down. And one of the uh, minions, I guess, one of the creepy perverts calls him Mr. Lee. And then he was like, no, call me Mr. Brody. He was like, okay, Mr. Exalted One. And then he said, it's Mr. Brody. And then he like, he kicks him out. Another one yawns. Last week, we had a sneeze. This one yawns this week. And... He sits down next to the minion and he's all like, what's going on? What's going on in your home life? Like the weak yawn, like don't ever yawn in front of me again. He's really showing like he's on this power trip and he doesn't treat his minions with respect, I guess. This led to the natural nightmares, QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes versus two members of the Dark Order who was named number eight and number nine. So they don't even have names. When I heard the Dark Order music, I was expecting either Alex Reynolds, uh, Alex Reynolds, um, listen, John Silvers, I was thinking about the other guy's name, um, even Stu Grayson or Uno, but we got these two masked guys that we never seen before, and they were just named eight and nine. This was pretty much a squash match for the Natural Nightmares, and come on, when you got two guys who have no names, do you expect anything less? It was okay. We see that QT Marshall is not joining the Dark Order. I thought that he probably should have. It would have been a better role for him than just Cody and Dustin's friend. But whatever, we'll see where that goes. After this, Brody Lee comes out and he attacks his own minions, I guess, for losing. We did see a slight stare down between Dustin Rhodes and Brody Lee, which would be a match that I would like to see in the future. I believe they've wrestled in the past in WWE, but you know what? This is a whole new system. This is a whole new league. So I would like to see that here. Now, this is where we got, after this match, we got the most entertaining video package, I guess, of the night. We have, they, they explained that Chris Jericho sent in a video and Matt Hardy sent in a video and the AEW producers were able to put the videos together for one big package that they were going to premiere here. We got Chris Jericho sitting in his pool, drinking a little bit of the bubbly, and he's over here talking about how Matt Hardy, he made a mistake and didn't join the inner circle and he's bashing the elites and Kenny Omega's a stupid pumpkin head and just going off. And then we see Vanguard one fly up to Chris Jericho's pool. Now Chris Jericho comes out the pool and he starts cutting a promo again on Vanguard one, just like he did last week. And then after this, he tries to get Vanguard 1 to join the inner circle once again. And he gives him like a toddler shirt of the inner circle's logo. And then with the hanger, he hooks it on to Vanguard 1. Instead of a handshake agreement, he said, oh, let's rub elbows to propellers, which was hilarious. When Vanguard 1 starts flying off with the shirt without shaking Chris Jericho's hand, he says, release the hounds. And we get like the most cutest little dogs chasing Vanguard 1 off of Chris Jericho's, I guess, poolside. Like, you was expecting 
pit bulls and rottweilers the way he says release the hounds but we got little toy dogs which was adorable but extremely funny who better to do comedy than chris jericho and matt hardy they're showing that their chemistry together even with matt hardy not there but just having vanguard one there is just impeccable they're great together they mesh really well when we uh, come back from break we have a video package of the young bucks training it was just like Cody. It was very reminiscent of Cody's speech two weeks ago, where he was saying how we all have to stay strong. They and then he like intertwines the storyline with the actual stuff that's going on with the coronavirus. You have Nick Jackson saying how this injury and these times have taught him to stay strong, and family means everything, and how he's going to work harder than ever. So it was nice to intertwine the storyline with a positive message for people to get through these tough times. He said that he's not ready though. After the workout, Nick, uh, Matt Jackson says, Hey, are you ready to come back to the ring? Nick Jackson says, no, not yet. After that, we got our main event of the night for AEW. It was Sammy Gravara and Sean Spears versus Cody and Darby Allen. Now this match was put together because of the TNT tournament where Cody's facing Sean Spears, Darby's facing Sammy G. So they just put the two matches together and made a tag match to promote next week's tournament starting. Uh, it was a pretty good match. There was a lot of action here, some comedy with Sammy G and with Sean Spears taking bets on how long they could hold Darby Allen up for a vertical suplex, which was very funny and interesting. After that, we've seen... Darby Allen climb, I don't know, it seemed like a like a goal post or something, but he he climbed this big post that was connected to the ceiling up 10 feet and does a massive coffin coffin drop onto everybody. After this, Sammy and Sean Spears actually win the match. They they well, Sean Spears rolls up Darby Allen and steals the victory for his team. And we go off the air with Darby Allen punching Cody Rhodes. Now, I don't think that this is a necessarily a heel turn for Darby Allen, but I do think that this will lead to Cody and Darby both winning their first round matches in the TNT Championship Tournament to face each other in the semifinal rounds. So, I don't know. I know AEW has done things like this in the past where it's kind of a spoiler. They did this in the tag team tournament with the Lucha Bros and SCU, where in the first round, the Lucha Bros attacked SCU. And it was kind of like, oh, it's obvious that they're going to face each other in the tournament finals because they were on opposite sides of the bracket. I don't know. So, it does look like we're going to get Cody versus Darby 3, which I'm okay with because their first match was a draw. Cody won the second match. We need a rubber match. For Darby here. And once again, I would love if Darby goes all the way and wins the title at double or nothing because that man deserves it. He's been putting on great performances left and right. He deserves to be in that upper echelon or at least have a title. Give him a bone. Like, let him get an award for the type of, you know, matches that he's been having. I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Altogether, I think this was a really good AEW event. There was noise during the matches which was nice it was reminiscent of two weeks ago and does help with the whole no crowd thing i liked how they had colt cabana on commentary for portions of this i was a fan of colt cabana's commentary for ring of honor so that was nice and yeah overall pretty good show now 
Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We're going to switch over to NXT. NXT was back in full sale this week. And the first thing I noticed was Sam Roberts was on commentary. I am not a fan of Sam Roberts. I think that he's atrocious at the heel character that he's trying to portray. He's just irritating. And I don't know. I I think that. Right off the bat, that's like away from the show. I, I would have rather it had been Byron Saxton just like last week, but who knows why Byron wasn't there. I know Sam Roberts has worked in NXT before, so I guess they wanted someone who was more NXT than Byron Saxton because we already have Todd Phillips there who's not an NXT regular commentator anymore. He used to be. So maybe they just want to give that NXT feel with somebody who's been in NXT in the past. So whatever. I just hope that this is just a one night thing it was an experiment that gone bad and i just hope that next week we don't have sam roberts on commentary but yeah so we start off the show with the velveteen dream versus bobby fish we've been talking for weeks how velveteen dream seems to have ring rust he has a character down packed but he hasn't been so dazzling in the ring i think that this match he did really well I think that if he had ring rust, then he's shaking it off, and him and Bobby Fish had a really good matchup. After this match, it it wasn't special. It wasn't, oh my god, that was great, but it was a good matchup. And also, by the way, it was also nice to see Bobby Fish in a singles role also, because before he was in this tag with... uh, Kyle O'Reilly, I remember seeing Bobby Fish as a singles wrestler for Evolve, and then when he debuted for Ring of Honor, and I was a fan of his singles run in Ring of Honor after like they stemmed away from the uh, Red Dragon team. So it was nice to see him back in this role. Ever since he came to NXT, I think he's only had maybe a handful of singles matches. His official NXT debut was a singles match against Aleister Black. So it's been a long time, and he does have a great repertoire for a singles wrestler as well. 
So it was nice to see. And I think him and Velveteen Dream meshed really well. Velveteen Dream was playing a lot of mind games on Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish was trying to do like a no-nonsense, I just want to like kick your face in type. <laughs> but yeah, it was a pretty good match. After this, we had a promo from Velveteen Dream. He's calling out Adam Cole. It's obvious they're going down that route. Nothing was officially announced for when that match will be. I know that they have the TakeOver matches sprinkled throughout the next couple weeks of, a, of uh, NXT television. Who knows when that match will be. I know next week we're getting the ladder match. And uh, I think in two weeks we're getting Gargano and Ciampa. So maybe they put it on that show. We'll see. There's been a lot of confusion on when, the, when these matches are going to air on NXT. But... It's coming. It's obviously coming. They're still going down that direction. After this, we had uh, a con- well, we had a backstage promo with Malcolm Bivens, who used to be Stokely Hathaway. He debuted last week with his new team that attacked Matt Riddle. He was basically introducing them tonight. It was pretty cool. I think he should have gave them an introduction last week, being that he got on the mic and introduced himself, and then he talked about the two wrestlers that was in the ring with him, which was kind of BS. Like, don't take the shine off of the two mega houses that are behind you. I know you want to be the star. I know it's important for the manager to be over as well, but a manager's role is also to get over their talent. So I'm happy that they at least gave him a proper introduction this time. After this, we've seen the NXT in-ring debut of Dexter Loomis, and he wrestled Jake Atlas. Now, I knew Dexter Loomis in the past. He was the crazy stalker dude from uh, Impact Wrestling when he was Sam Shaw. I think he was stalking Santana Garrett, which is funny because Santana Garrett is here. I think he was also, well, no, I think he, I think he was stalking Christy Hemi and he ended up with Santana Garrett, who was like a, like a psycho fan of his. It, it was weird. But anyway, yeah, it's been years since I've seen him. The first thing I noticed was his theme song was basically the Stranger Things theme song. Like, if you ever watched Stranger Things and you listen to the intro, because I know Netflix has that skip intro button, if you actually listen to the intro, it's basically the same song that Dexter Loomis came out to. Like, someone in the production crew was watching Stranger Things when they was writing De- or creating Dexter Loomis's music, because that's as soon as he came out, I was like, yo, isn't this Stranger Things? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, he, he wins the match here against Jake Atlas, who's also making his debut. He had a very, like, slow, methodical, I guess, style. He has, like, that thousand-mile stare. He he definitely is playing up to the character really well. And NXT doesn't have too many characters. It's something that I've talked about in the past. So at least we're getting a fresh character here. But, yeah, this match was pretty okay it was really nothing special to me after this we got another recap of Gargano and Ciampa in the performance center brawl that they had three weeks ago the the part where they're throwing weights through glass and throwing each other through glass windows and off of little stages like it was a great great brawl I'm excited for this match but it's also I'm also at the point where it's like I just want to get it over with because I feel like they're really starting to reach to stay relevant. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people are extremely happy about Gargano and Ciampa and excited for their matchup, but I've seen it already on numerous occasions, and I feel like they're really stretching this now. So it's like, I just want to get it over with because I'm kind of sick of hearing it. 
there was no there was no mention there was no even no one even brought up the fact that we had that killer cross promo in the middle of it like I don't know I I, I kind of suspected them to not even bring that up which was the reason why I was so confused on why it happened to begin with anyway last week but whatever after this we got the women's gauntlet match for the last spot in the NXT number one contendership ladder match for the women's division. And we started out with Shotzi Blackheart and Deanna Perrazzo. The star of this match was Shotzi Blackheart. She was basically the first one in there and the last one eliminated. She was there the whole time. She really proved that she could hang. And I really think that it is time to start giving this girl more of a push because she is really good. She proved that tonight. She was basically, if you remember that historic gauntlet match from a couple years ago on Raw where Seth Rollins lasted almost an hour. Well, I think it lasted over an hour. Like, that was the star that Shotzi Blackheart is... That was, that was like the star-making performance that Shotzi Blackheart had tonight. So, I think that they definitely are foreshadowing that she's going to be a major factor in the women's division going forth. But, I do think that the right person went over because... At the end, Dakota Kai won the match. And I said last week that Dakota Kai needs a big victory. She wins this gauntlet match. And I hope that she wins the ladder match next week. Because if you beat the five other girls in the ladder match, then you're basically, I guess, like... I think that that's redemption for losing every week. And you're getting your payback. All in one match. You don't have to beat... All these females in one-on-one matches, if you could just beat them all at the same time, which was cool. So, I think that the right person went over. I hope that she also wins the ladder match. Cool to see Dakota Kai. Hopefully, it's always start-stop with her. I hope this is the start, even though it would be late. I hope this is the start of them giving her the proper treatment that she deserves. After this, we got a Ray of Ripley and Charlotte package. It was a little different than the one that we've been getting. Because they've been showing the same packages on Raw and then on um, NXT the past couple weeks for this. So it was nice to see a different video package leading up to their match. This is probably one of the only matches I am truly extremely excited for for WrestleMania. Like There's a couple others, of course, the Randy Orton and Edge match. I'm excited for AJ and Undertaker. but And also, of course, Drew Galloway. Uh, Drew Galloway. What was this? 2012? Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar match. I'm really interested in that. But uh, yeah, so Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, I think, is my match that I'm going into WrestleMania looking forward to the most. So yeah, this just continued to build the buzz. And I think that at this point, it's anyone's game. I don't know if they're going to give it to Charlotte. I don't know if they're going to give it to Rhea. But I'm not mad at whoever wins that match because in any situation here... NXT is the true winner. If you have Charlotte win and she's on NXT and a regular with the title, then that's a win-win for NXT because now you have someone with the star power like Charlotte on your brand. But if Rhea Ripley wins, you could say that you have someone of the star power that like Rhea Ripley who went to the grandest stage of them all and beat the top female on the main roster. So that would instantly boost Rhea Ripley through the roof. When it comes to her star power. And then you could say. Oh by the way the only place you can see her is NXT. On Wednesday nights. So either way it's going to be. A win win for NXT here. 
After this, we got a really good match between Kushida and Joaquin Wilder. Now, it's these are two guys who put on great performances, but are not really prioritized on the card or on that roster because they're constantly losing. I was happy to see them against each other because one of them obviously had to win, unless you did like a double DQ or double counts out or some BS like that. But it was a really good match. I'm not a fan of Joaquin Wilder's masks or helmet, whatever you would call that. He looked like Ant-Man coming out to the ring. Whatever. You had Ant-Man versus Back to the Future here. But it was a really good matchup. Kushida won the match with the uh, that armbar key lock thing that he does. It's really good. And then after this, Joaquin Wilder gets kidnapped by the masked people out the van like they did to Raul Mendoza a couple weeks ago. I don't know what this is about. I don't know if this is, like I said, if it's the same samurais that, or ninjas that kidnapped Samoa Joe. I don't know what this is about. If this means that Raul Mendoza and Wilder are coming back as like a heel tag team. I don't know if this is like a cult type faction that they're trying to build if there's a leader if there's a exalted one for this one i'm not sure but i think it's really interesting it, it was a couple weeks since we seen them again it wasn't like it was last week where they got raul mendoza so it was like oh snap it made me re- it reminded me that they did that to raul mendoza and made me remember it made me think where they're going to go with this so i think that that's really interesting here after this we got the main event of the night it was the match that was supposed to be on TakeOver, so we instantly saw on the Tron the NXT TakeOver graphic. So it's cool that they were trying to make this feel different than the rest of the show. We got Keith Lee, Damian Priest, and Dominic Dajakovic for the North American Championship. It was a good match. It was what was expected from having these guys in the ring. We, we've seen Keith Lee and Dajakovic wrestle many times against each other maybe some would say too many times against each other um you add Damian Priest into this match it adds a different flair to it but I think that's just it it just added something different to it because yeah it was a good match but it was what's expected from these Keith Lee matches with Dijakovic and I feel like a lot of these matches are starting to look the same because they are facing the same opponents week in and week out so it's hard after like your fifth or sixth battle with each other to pull out something new because come on how much more can you show especially how innovative the match has been in the past with these two it was hard for them to pull something out but yeah I think that this is kind of putting a hindrance on Keith Lee's title run because he's facing the same guys. So his matches look the same. I think Keith Lee works best. Like, no. Before I say this, let me just give a little disclaimer. I think that his matches with Djokovic were phenomenal. I really loved them. I think Keith Lee works best with guys who are smaller. Guys that he could toss around. Guys that he could show that he could keep up with in speed, endurance, and with just high-flying ability. And I think that's how you book Keith Lee as a champion. Having him wrestle the same guys who are his size or bigger, you're going to get the same matches. And I don't want 
Keith Lee's star power to start dwindling because people start seeing him as a boring wrestler because of the same matches. That's where the booking definitely could play a big factor in this. Because if they do book him to continue having these matches with Dijakovic or with guys like Damian Priest, then we're really going to see people, in my opinion, turn against him. And it really wouldn't be his fault. Because you're not putting him in a position to succeed. Someone like Keith Lee needs to be put in that position to succeed. I wouldn't mind if they do a stem-off feud between Dajakovic and Priest and have them feuding for a little bit while Keith Lee goes on to new challengers. But that's just my opinion. Overall, pretty good episode of NXT. I wasn't mad at it. It was silent, but we've been expecting that because it's been like that every week. That's why AEW stands out, in my opinion, when it comes to these shows because they've been doing something different. Even when they weren't able to have the wrestlers in the crowd last week, they were doing like these, um, they were showing them in the back, like watching the show and making noise and taking bets. So it was different than just having a silent show. The one thing I would say is the opposite actually happened here with the lighting of the shows because I feel that NXT was lit up a little bit better than the AEW show. Now I know AEW was in a undisclosed location. I know that it was probably like a last minute resort to get the whole set to that undisclosed location. And I'm not faulting them for it, but it was different to see how bright NXT looked on TV this week. And how dark AEW looked this week. So it was really weird to see the roles in reverse when it comes to lighting of the shows. My show of the week, though, would be AEW once again. I think that AEW was the more fun show to watch, the more complete show with the type of video packages and the type of, I guess, moods that those packages put you in. Because we got serious wrestling. We had comedy on the show we had noise on the show we had great action on the show and we had great action for nxt and we had a brighter look but it was a lot of i don't know business as usual i'm not faulting them i don't i know that not every wrestler is there i know that they're trying to make the best of a bad situation the Women's Gauntlet match was really good. They really made a star out of Shotzi Blackheart. The main event, like I said, was good. The opening match was good. I just think that AEW had the better overall show where NXT, once again, had a good wrestling show. But definitely, I am excited to see where both shows go. Next week, I'm excited to see see the women's ladder match next week. That's going to be off the chain I'm sure they're going to pull stuff out that we can't even imagine because they want to like be noticed in these times and entertain the people at home to the best of their ability because God knows we need it at this time so NXT is going to be extremely awesome next week with that match we get the tournament for AEW next week it's going to be really interesting to see how these shows play out next week because both shows are going to be pretty big so stick with it hope you guys stay safe Stay positive, stay strong. See you next week.
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 